I may have forgotten one announcement, perhaps overlooked one announcement. Nashville Zoo Day, you don't have it up there. Talis and Gladdy are going to make a trip up to Nashville, and they want to say, hey, join them on October the 8th at 10 a.m. However, if you would like to go to a petting zoo, I have three new calves. <laughs> you can come up to the Ponderosa, as I like to refer to. They won't let you near them, but you can look at them from afar. But we had a new calf born this week. They're, they're really neat to see come into this world. Uh, anyway, we're in Judges chapter 12 and 11. Jephthah, the great warrior, the man of valor, uh, has sacrificed his own daughter because he would not repent of the foolish vow that he had made. And Jephthah not only sacrifices her, thinking he's doing it unto the Lord, but uh, his daughter is even willing to die because of her, her father's promise or his vow. Well, that goes on today. Radical Muslims will so indoctrinate their children that they're willing to be a suicide bomber, to please parents, to go to paradise, and to please their God, or so they think. So what we think and believe really is important. Jephthah and any other person or religion willing to sacrifice their own children is an atrocity. There's no other way to put it. And Jesus tells us that we have no greater love than to lay down our own life for our friends or a family. And so Christianity sort of reverses this and says, lay down your own life. And Christianity sets itself apart from murderous thinking of human sacrifice. Jesus, by his own sacrifice, uh, sets us his followers. He sets us free from such behavior and such thinking. And after Jephthah's victory over the Ammonites, Ephraim, the tribe of Israel, who was south of the Jordan River, they were happy to take their inheritance there in the grazing land across the Jordan River. Ephraim, after the victory of Jephthah over Ammon, they're jealous of his victory. And they become contentious with uh, Jephthah and Gilead. And they become so uh, caught up in their jealousy that war breaks out between Gilead and Ephraim. And 42,000 Ephraimites are killed in battle because of their simple jealousy of Gilead. But moving along, there are three short-term judges that now arise over Israel. I 
Zan, Elon, and Abdon. These three judges, they have what we would call short, selfish reigns. And they have many sons, these three judges, at least 30 sons each, and the sons were in charge of keeping the peace throughout Israel. Now the duty, the responsibility of an Israelite father was threefold. You taught your son the law of Moses. They were to be instructed in the law. You were to teach your son a trade, a way to make a living apart from his studies. You were to give them a hands-on trade that they could make their living at. Like Paul, extremely educated, but Paul was a tent maker. He had a trade that he could fall back on. And third, you were to find your son a wife. And these three judges, they're consumed with family to the point they are virtually of no use to God as a judge or leader in Israel. They're caught up into everyday chores and responsibilities of family. Now I'm going to run the risk of being misunderstood here this morning, but that's not new for me. I've been misunderstood before. In Luke 14, 25 through 27, let me read you a few of Jesus' words. Now great multitudes went with Jesus, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple or true follower. Hard, harsh words. Misunderstood words. As believers, as Christians, God wants us to spend time with our family. Don't ever think that otherwise. We are to nurture our children. We're to discipline our children. We are to help our children become Christians and little people of God. But they are not to be the primary part of our lives. God reserves that for himself. We're not to put anything, including family, above God. Our our top priority, first and foremost, as a Christian parent, is to seek first the kingdom of God. Seeking God will put balance into my life. Seeking God will cause me to be a better husband, a better wife, a better parent. And now we have three judges here in Israel that are so caught up into their family, there's no place in their life to serve God. As a parent, God requires my allegiance to him to be the most important priority of my life. And this can be difficult for some parents to sort out, to find a balance that are determined they're going to be a loving and responsible parent. 
And without getting into the do's and don'ts of parenting, keep your relationship with God the number one thing in your life. And I say that openly. God wants us to be good parents. But be careful of your own devotion, your own dedication to God. Keep it the number one priority of your life. Following Jesus, when he says, seek first the kingdom of God, he then says, and all these things will be added to you. It's like our giving. Give God the first fruits of our labor. And then watch and observe as God will then begin to bless your life in other ways. Do not ever think God is not for you. He is for us. He died for us. And he is for your family. But make sure God is your number one priority. I think I've made that point. <laughs> but the best example of a godly parent is to their children is to love God with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind. And our children will see that. Let's move to chapter 13 of Judges. And chapter 13 begins in a very familiar way. Let me read you verse 1. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. 40 years. Same old behavior by Israel, God's people doing evil, forsaking their God, and God once again delivers Israel into the hand of their enemy. And their enemy this time happens to be the Philistines. But God is going to raise up a Nazarite judge, a truly mighty man, and that man is Samson. So let's read of the birth of Samson in Judges 13, uh, 2 through 5. Now there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. This angel of the Lord is none other than Jesus. And he will give Manoah's wife prenatal, prenatal care requirements while she is pregnant with Samson. And she is to be careful not to drink wine or any alcohol, nor eat anything unclean while pregnant. For your son shall be a Nazarite. A Nazarite to God was simply one that was separated to God. Usually a Jewish man 
would take a vow to be a Nazarite, and it would last six months. There was a time frame put on it. But Samson is to be a Nazarite to God for life. A Nazarite was not to touch any wine, not even to eat grapes. And they were to let their hair grow. They were not to put a razor to their head. And they were not to touch a dead animal or a dead person. And God will give Manoah and his wife a son. But from the womb, their son is to be a Nazarite. So let's read verses 6 through 18. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O my Lord, Please let the man of God whom you sent to come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, Look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah arose and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let it be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink any wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean that I have commanded her to observe. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you, and we will pre prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, that when your words come to pass, we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? To Manoah's credit, he is not a skeptic of his wife's story. Rather, Manoah entreats the Lord. Manoah prays and he asks the Lord, Let the angel come again and teach us how to prepare for this child. God hears this wise prayer by Manoah. And again, the angel of the Lord, he does come and notice Jesus again comes to Manoah's wife. She is ready to receive God's instructions. 
Manoah must become ready. He must prepare himself. There is a real message there to us men. Many times, you can almost say most of the time, our wives are quicker. They're more ready to be in tune to receive God's word than us men are. Listen to your wife, fellows. <laughs> she may be trying to give you God's word. But Manoah's wife, she runs to Manoah and, and she tells him, The angel has come again. He's back. Come quickly. And Manoah wants to know how and what to do with this Nazarite son that is to be born to them. The issue here is not about the child Samson, but it is the behavior of the parents preparing the way for Samson. Going back to the earlier command by God's parents, be an example. Put God first in your family. Be obedient, Manoah and his wife. Now let's read verses 19 through 25. So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord, and he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up towards heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And when Manoah and his wife saw it, they fell on their faces to the ground. And when the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah and his as said to his wife, we shall surely die because we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would have ascend, not ascended in a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things as these at this time. So the woman bore a son, and she called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahana, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtol. Manoah, he understands he's had a special visitation, and he wants to prepare a meal for this angel of the Lord. And he says, let me prepare a meal for you. The angel of the Lord, Jesus tells Noah, go ahead, prepare the meal, but I will not eat of your meal. But offer the meal as a burnt offering to the Lord. Manoah, he's still not quite certain as to who this angel is. So he asks the angel, hey, what's your name? And he says, my name is Wonderful. Now in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, we hear the prophet declare God's name. It's Wonderful. It's Counselor. 
Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Manoah, this is Jesus. Make no mistake about who it is. Manoah takes his offering, the meal that he's prepared, and he offers it to the Lord. It's interesting to me that Jesus does not want the offering or any part of the offering for himself. Jesus wants Manoah to give his offering as an offering, as a burnt offering to the Lord. There's a lot said there. Our desire here at Calvary Chapel is for you to give your offering to God and to do it in a way and a method of it being personal between you and God, i.e., we do not pass the plate. There's no show and tell about giving your offerings here. If we have our little offering boxes that you can drop in your offering, and it is a personal time between you and God, not a show and tell time. Manoah desires to give an offering to Jesus, and he wants to do it in a personal way. And graciously, Jesus says, I'm not going to eat of your offering, but you do what's in your heart, Manoah. You be a cheerful giver, or otherwise don't bother to give. And that's good instructions for us. If you can't give your offerings and be cheerful about it, don't bother. <laughs> don't bother. We're all right. We'll get along without your offering. Don't worry about it. And Manoah offers a sacrifice upon a rock to the Lord. And while Manoah and his wife, while they're looking on, Jesus does a wondrous thing. As the flames from this offering ascend into heaven, Jesus steps into the flame and ascends with the smoke into heaven. Manoah says to his wife, hey, did you see that? No, he didn't say that. <laughs> they fall on their face before God on the ground as the Lord goes up into heaven and he is seen no more by Manoah and his wife. And Manoah comes to a conclusion. Hey, wife, we're about to die, for we have seen God. And then Manoah's wife gives Manoah a little understanding. Hey, if God wanted to kill us, he would not have accepted our offering. He would not have given us instructions on how to raise Samson if he wanted to kill us. He wouldn't have done all this to simply take our lives from us. So this wife of Manoah, she bears a son and she calls him Samson. And we'll get into the life of Samson uh, at least partially into his life next week and the following weeks. The child grows and the Lord blesses him. Don't miss this part. 
the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon this area of Israel between Zorah and Eshtal. And how desperate we need here in America for the Spirit of God to move upon us and our hearts and minds as we cry out to God on behalf of our children. Do we cry out to God for our neighbors? Are we in prayer for our political leaders? And we're about to go through an election here. A couple months we'll be going to the uh, to the polls, to the to the voting places. And I believe as a Christian, we have a responsibility to vote. I really do. I think that is an obligation on our part to be a good citizen and vote. But I want you to be obedient to God there. Take on that responsibility that God has given us and to make an offering to God in that way. But I also want you to pray that God's spirit will be upon America. I hate to see the way our country is headed. It, it, it grieves me to see sin abound so abundantly in America. Pray for God's spirit to once again move upon our land and our people locally and nationally. Because we can only control our own behavior. That's all we can control. I want my behavior to be obedient. I want to be like Manoah and his wife, who were willing now to take this obligation of raising a little son to be a Nazarite. That was a, a requirement. They had to raise it, Samson as a Nazarite, which required controlling his diet, teaching him what he could and could not do as a Nazarite. So we have examples of Manoah and his wife, and let us be like them. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, you give Manoah and his wife a great responsibility. What Samson did with that responsibility was on him, but Manoah and his wife were obedient to you, Lord. And we want to be obedient to you. We want to be crying out to you, Lord, help us to be an example. Help us to keep you as our number one priority in life. And let us raise our children to be godly children. Help us, Lord. And Lord, once again, we want to see your spirit move on America. Lord, we got a critical election coming up. Let us be hearing from you as how to vote and who to vote for. Let that be an issue of prayer in each of our lives. Lord, we want to see America turn again to you, Lord. So help us. Save America, Lord. 
Here we are on anniversary of 9-11. We've seen what evilness can do, Lord. But we want to be crying out to you. We don't want to be just crying out once again, Lord, to see you move in a way that is blessing, Lord. We hear enough of God bless America, but Lord, we want to be people who turn to you and repent of sin when sin is found among us. We want to turn to you with a glad heart, Lord, and we want to see you heal America and restore America back to yourself, Lord. That's our prayer, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.